Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Today, we're going to be talking about money. And the reason it's very special is because you Calvary Chapel people, you know in this church we teach verse by verse. If you've been to this church before, you know that. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. All right, then that's good. 90% of you, you know that we teach verse by verse here. That means we go through, take a book, and we go verse by verse, every comma, every word, every period. We go verse by verse uh, through the scriptures. Last week we completed chapter 15, and this morning we're picking up in chapter 16. Chapter 16 is dealing with the topic of money. Now, I tell you all that because, you know, when you mention money in church, you know, people immediately start thinking, oh, no, here they go again, the church talking about money, money, money. I can see some of y'all thinking it right now. I can see you got little signs over your head. I can see it in the spirit (laughs) because I'm spiritual. Oh, here they go again talking about money. Well, listen, this week we are talking about money. If you come back next week, that's another important topic. You don't want to miss that. We'll be talking about hell. So this week, that's right. And you don't don't want to go there, so come to church, okay? Because we're going to be talking about hell next week. All these are very, very important topics to the Christian. Now, in chapter 15, where you're with me last week, (laughs) chapter 15, we saw a contrast between the younger prodigal son who left home and he wasted all of his father's money, and, 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 and we call it the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. If you've got a notepad, the word prodigal, it means wasteful, wasteful. Now, the other brother stayed home, and he served his father, and he was jealous when the younger brother came home, and the father gave him a party. Now, both brothers, as we pointed out last week, both brothers were prodigals. Both sons were wasteful and weren't good stewards. The younger brother wasn't a good steward because the money that he was given, that was given to him, he took it out and he wasted it. And the other brother wasn't a good steward over the relationship that he had with his father. He was angry and he was bitter and he wouldn't go into the celebration. Now listen, God doesn't want us to live our lives wasteful, but he also doesn't want us to serve him grudgingly. Amen? Chapter 16 emphasizes that point that life is about stewardship and we need to use what God has given us for others' good and for his glory because one day we're all going to stand and give an account for all that the Lord has given us. Amen? So I've titled this sermon, Money Matters. Luke chapter 16, saints, if you're looking at verse 1, would you say a hearty amen? amen? He also, in verse 16 said to his disciples, now we know Jesus is talking because you can see it's in red letters. Amen. Isn't that deep? Spiritual. 
We know Jesus is talking. This is Jesus talking. He said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man. Are you looking at it? Who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And so he called him and he said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account for your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. And then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do. Here's what I'll do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. And so he called every one of his master's debtors to him. And he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And so he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write out how many saints? Fifty. How many saints? Fifty. And then he said to another, how much do you owe? And so he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write out how many? Eighty. And so in verse eight, you got to see this. The master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you in verse 9, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And in verse 13, are you looking at it? No servant can serve, how many? Two masters, for either he will what? Hate the one and do what? Love the other. Look, some of y'all not reading. He will either what? Hate the one or what? Love the other or he will be what? Loyal to one and do what? Despise the other. Read it with me. You cannot serve God and mammon. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. In your Bibles, in the header, you'll see it says the parable of the unjust steward. Now, you know that parable, let me have your attention. You know that chapter and verse headings are not uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. The word of God is, but chapter and verse is not. That was put there by men, for men, easy read. So this says the parable of the unjust steward. I'm not so sure I agree with that because we don't know that this is a parable. Jesus doesn't say this is a parable. He begins to tell a story. It's very possible that this was just a story. Could have been a familiar story. What we do know, this text is a very misunderstood story. At first glance, when you read it, you kind of get the impression that Jesus is commending the unjust steward for being a crook. Listen, Jesus is commending him for acting wisely and shrewdly. He is commending him for securing the future with the present, but he is not commending him for being a crook. In those days, listen close, many times landowners could have large vineyards and fields in different places. 
And so he would hire a steward to manage his property. Well, we think of Potiphar. Potiphar hired who? Anybody know? Joseph, very good, to oversee all of his possessions as a steward. And Joseph was faithful, and God blessed him, and God blessed Potiphar. Now, in our text, the steward is managing the fields for this wealthy landowner. Sometimes a land steward would manage property and receive and, and receive and have resources, the resources of the landowner, and he would jack up the prices. For example, if the landowner owned grain and the steward sold some grain, the landowner may have only required $50, but the steward would jack it up to $80, and thus he would pocket the difference. And we would rip off the people. So it's possible that the steward is charging more for leased out land or the vineyards and then pocketing the difference, doing shady business. And so the landowner hears that the steward is doing this and he says, hey, I hear you're a crook. Hand over the books. I worked on that for a week. I hear you're a crook. Hand over the books. And the master wants to do and audit. Notice in verse 3 in your Bibles, go ahead and look at it. The steward is thinking, I can't do manual labor. I'm too proud to beg. Don't you love that? I'm too proud. To, every time I read that, I think of the temptations. Y'all remember temptations? And some of y'all looking at me like, no, I don't know nothing about worldly music. No, I don't know. You know the temptations. Come on. Matter of fact, I was reading this. Every time I read that, I thought of temptation. It just, it just kept coming to my head, so I had to YouTube them. Ain't too proud to beg, sweet darling. Ooh. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Who know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm Come on, it's old school, baby, old school. Ooh. Ooh. Don't leave me, girl. Sorry. <laughs> baby, baby. Y'all know what I'm talking Y'all acting like y'all in church. Like, no, we don't know nothing about that. He said, I'm too proud. To, oh, that's ain't too proud to beg. The temptation say ain't too proud to beg. But he says, I'm too proud to beg. So knowing, listen, in our text, that he is soon to be unemployed, he began to concoct a scheme to plan for the future because there was no unemployment benefits in those days. And he thought, well, I better try to make some friends. So when I'm fired, they can hook me up. They can help me with when times get bad. And so he calls his boss's debtors and he plays, let's make a deal. And he reduces their debt. Verse five, go ahead and look at it. He said, how much do you owe my master? He says in verse six, a hundred measures of oil. Forget it. Just write me 50. We can call it even. Verse seven, he went to another and said, how much do you owe? A hundred bushels of wheat. He said, forget it. Just give me 80 and we'll call it even Stephen. The steward is securing his future. You want to write something down? Write this down. The steward is securing his future with the present, thinking when I'm fired, these guys will be indebted to me and they will help me in the future. Listen, the Bible is very clear quickly. Every single one of us in this room is a steward of someone or something. If you're married, you're a steward of your wife. If you're married with children, you are a steward of your family. 
Everyone in this room is a steward of something or something. If you got a pen, you write this down. We are stewards of material resources or money. In our text is called unrighteous mammon. First Timothy chapter three, verse three, Paul called it filthy lucre. Doesn't that sound like something you call somebody? You filthy lucre. Doesn't it? It just sounds like something you call somebody. You know, you nothing but a filthy lucre. Y'all know how we get filthy lucre. You know, unrighteous mammon. And you know, I was thinking about this and thinking about all these problems in the world and all the problems with India. And you think about it. All the problems in the world, all the problems that face man, are you listening? All the problems that face mankind all go back and point to filthy lucre, money. All the problems in the world, all the problems with the India and things like that and prostitution and drugs and politics and power and injustices and control, all of these things go back to unrighteous mammon, money. We're stewards not only over material resources, but if you're taking notes, we're stewards over our time. You know, we're stewards over our time. We forget that, don't we? You know, people procrastinate. You're a steward over your time. My question is, how much time do you spend in the things of the Lord? How much time do you spend reading your Bible? Just like five minutes a day. You know, I'm on Facebook. Many of you know that. And I post a weekly devotion on my Facebook page because I'm trying to get people to start reading their Bible. Why is it that we will read the best-selling book? We will read the newspaper every day. We will read the stocks and bonds. We'll read the Dow Jones. We'll read everything, but we won't. I'm talking to Christians, but we won't read our Bible We're a steward of our time. The Bible says that we need to be redeeming the time. I hope I'm not just preaching to myself. We need to be redeeming the time because Jesus is coming soon. Somebody say amen, would you? He is coming soon. And we need to be buying it back. Redeem means to buy back. Like you would back in the old school day. I'm dating myself. Back in the old school days, you would take your bottles, remember that? And you take them back to the store and you would redeem them. And they give you like five cents on the bottle. Nowadays, they give you a trash can. I don't know. But you would redeem. You buy back. The Bible says we need to be buying back the time. Because Jesus is coming soon. We're stewards over our time. We're stewards over the gospel. Man, when you get saved, God deposits his Holy Spirit in you. And now we are stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. We're stewards over the mysteries of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. We're stewards over the mysteries of God. We're stewards over our gifts. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, as I said, we're stewards over our money. And we should use that money or those resources to secure the future. Look at verse 8 in your Bibles. When the rich man, you looking at it? You looking at it? You looking at it? When the rich man heard what he had done, he commended the unjust steward because he acted shrewdly for the sons of this world or this age are more shrewd in their generation, wiser, more common sense, more prudent than the children of light. 
Jesus is saying worldly people, watch this, worldly people or people who don't know God are wiser at securing the future with the present. Think about it. People who don't know God, they're doing whatever it takes to secure their future. They're making investments. These are people who don't know God. This is an indictment against Christians in case you haven't gotten that yet. They're they're making investments. They're buying real estate. They're laboring. They're doing the people who don't know God, the children of this world. They're doing whatever it takes to secure the future with the present. They only invest in this life, and thus they are better at it. And for that, they are wiser than the sons of light, the Christians. But notice it says, in their generation, please see it, in their generation or in this age. They are only wiser in this age because they don't see the eternal. They are clever for today and fools forever. Clever for the day and fools forever. Jesus is not teaching that his disciples should be dishonest, but that they should use their material things for future benefit. So what we have here is a good lesson from a bad example. Now, after using the story of the unjust steward who was using the present to secure the future, beginning in verse 9, we just read it, Jesus has given us the same exhortation that we need to start planning for eternity. And how do you do that? With giving. Notice in verse 9, Jesus says, Make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, and I have it in quotations, and you will, they will receive you into an everlasting home. Verse 10, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful in much. Now, Jesus isn't saying, saints, listen, God is. Jesus isn't saying to go out and and make money any way you can. He's not saying that. Jesus is saying you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. You can't keep it, but you can put it somewhere where you won't lose it. So go and make money and then use it for the glory of the kingdom. Amen, saints? Now listen, he is not talking about tithing. You know, sometimes we have the idea that 10% belongs to the Lord and 90% belongs to me. I know nobody here. I'm just saying. Sometimes we have that mentality. 10% belongs to the Lord, 90% belongs to me. Listen, that's wrong. None of it belongs to you and all of it belongs to the Lord. Did you hear me? Everything you have belongs to Jesus everything. So he's not talking about tithing. Now, it's really interesting because people who believe in tithing and, and, and pulpits that, that pound about tithing, they really don't actually understand the law of tithing. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, because listen, if they did, did they know, do you know that in the Old Testament, there were several tithes? There was a tithe of a tenth of the remainder after the first fruits. This was the amount that went to the Levites for their livelihood. You'll find that in Leviticus 27. A tenth was paid to the Levites to the priest. That was in uh, Numbers uh, chapter 18. You'll find that. 
A tenth was given by the congregation for the needs of the Levites and their families at the tabernacle. You'll find that in Deuteronomy chapter 12. And another tithe was given every three years for the poor. All in all, it was a tithe of 30%. I don't know many people who tithe 30%, but they'll pound the pulpit. Oh, you need a tithe. You need a tithe. You need a tithe. Can I tell you something? The New Testament, listen, the principle, listen, the principle, listen, the principle in the New Testament is not tithing. Some of y'all are like, yay. Hold on, partner, before you get too happy. The principle in the New Testament is not tithing. The principle in the New Testament is giving. We need to give. What do you mean, Rodney? First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. I've got it for you on the screen. You see it? It says, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay, somebody read it with me, something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. You got a pen? I want you to start writing down some things right now. I'm going to give you seven principles of giving I'm sure in the Bible you can find more of them, but I only have seven for you today. Number one, seven principles talking about giving. We're not talking about tithing. Giving is the New Testament principle. Tithing is an Old Testament principle. And some of you say, well, you know, I I know my Bible, Rodney, and I know in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, which is in the New Testament, Jesus said, To the Pharisees, you tithe mint and cumin and all of these other things, but you forget the weightier matters. Rodney, tithing is in the New Testament. Well, listen, understand something. The New Testament actually does not begin until Acts chapter 2. When Jesus walked on the earth, do you understand he was still under the law? He had come to fulfill the law. So while in the Gospels, the Gospels are written under the covenant of the law. But when Jesus in Acts chapter 1, please somebody hear me, in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascended, and then in chapter 2, he sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of the church, there begins the new covenant, a covenant of grace. And not from that point forward do you hear anything about tithing whatsoever. Now in the new covenant, we talk about giving. And giving oftentimes is more than tithing. Huh? Giving is more than tithing. Let me give you seven principles. Number one, our giving should be periodic. Periodic. That means, did you notice that verse we just read? It said, on the first day of the week. Number two, our giving should be planned. You writing this down? Our giving should be planned. It says lay something aside. Number three, our giving should be proportional as God has prospered you. You know, some people can't afford 10% and some people can't afford more than 10%. And to the person that can't afford 10%, God is not holding you hostage. And to the person who can't afford more than 10%, God requires you to give more. I mean, think about this. If somebody's making $10,000 a year and trying to keep the law of tithing, and they need to tithe $1,000 a year to some people, and you're making ten grand a year, that's a tremendous amount of money. You're a single mom with four kids trying to feed them. 
$1,000 is a tremendous amount of money. But if somebody is making $10 million a year and all they tithe is $1 million, they won't even feel that. Of course that you can live off of $9 million a year. If you can't live off of $9 million a year, something wrong. You need help. Okay, if you can't live off $9 million a year, you need help. Come see Pastor Rodney. I'll set up a savings account for you and help you through these difficult matters. But of course, I mean, $1 million to you is, is no big deal. So one person can't afford to give $1,000. They find it difficult. Another person is wealthy enough to live off of $9 million a year and only tithe a $1 million. You know, there's plenty of people throughout history that have lived off of 10% of their income and given to the kingdom of God 90% of their income. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.